for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Okay, we'll be looking at 1 Corinthians 14. We're going to be continuing our series on the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, I've just heard that Maidstone Vine Church, they're doing a similar series. It's funny how the Holy Spirit tells different churches to do things at the same time. So it's encouraging. In the Old Testament, there are ongoing instances where God speaks through both prophets and prophetesses to convey his heart and directions to them. But even before God created man and woman, he he was speaking. In Psalm 19, verses 1 to 2, the psalmist wrote this, The heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech. And night to night reveals knowledge. You see, God speaks. So even before he created Adam and Eve, God's voice was speaking through his created order. He's pouring out speech. Beautiful. You see, we, could you just say this with me? We have a God who speaks. We have a God who speaks. And it may be you're here today and you don't know this God who speaks. He can make himself known to you. He can speak to your heart right here today. Indeed, the first things God did as his spirit hovered over the formless void of the water in Genesis 1, he was to speak a formative prophetic word, let there be light. That was a prophetic creative word from God. That's how God started it all off. He spoke. And you know, he's not changed his plan. Before he starts something new, he reveals it first to the prophets. He speaks. God can God still has things to say to your life because he's a father who speaks. He's not mute. He can speak to you. Behold, I do a new thing. I love it when God does a new thing. No you, when he gives a new song. Because we have a God, a relational God who speaks. And we worship a God who speaks. We're created in his image and that's why you can speak. The first recorded prophetic word to a created being in the Bible was to Satan. Interesting enough, after Adam and Eve sinned. He said, I will put enmity between you, that's the devil, and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. And he will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. That's Genesis 3, 15. It's where, you see, God was speaking prophetically, even then, about Jesus. And good prophecy, ultimately, is about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Pointing to Jesus. The first mention of a prophet is in Genesis 20, verse 7, where God speaks to Abimelech. He was a a king... Um, the king of Gera, in a dream. Now, he, um, um, Abram and Sarah, his wife, had, had, had fled to their land, and uh, she was a bit of a cracker, and he was a bit nervous in case the, 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 the king would kill him and have his wife as, as her wife. So he said, well, you can be my sister, because a bit of the wuss. it was a bit of a wuss, like some of us at times. And he did that, and, uh, but God spoke to him. He must have been on his wedding night. Um, when God spoke to Abimelech, king of Gera, in a dream, warning him by saying that the woman he had taken as his wife was actually married to a prophet named Abraham. 
Well, now, why does God... That would wreck your marriage, marriage night, wouldn't it? <laughs> but he saved his life. Why does God call Abraham a prophet? Well, in Genesis 20, verse 6 and 7, it says, Then God said to Abimelech in the dream, Yes, I know that in the integrity of your heart you have done this, and I also kept from you singing against, sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die. Yeah, out, and all who are yours. You see, what was happening there, that God was protecting the prophetic fulfillment of the future church, because through Abraham, all the nations will be blessed through his seed. And you are the, ch- the two children of Abraham by faith. So God prophetically was speaking as well, not only to glorify Jesus, but to protect the church. They are two key ingredients for the prophetic, to glorify Jesus and to protect and guide his future church. And there'll be prophetic words over this church in the past, now and in the future, as with other churches, that God will be speaking to us to protect the heritage for the future. You got that? And I'm so glad we're in a church where we understand something of the prophetic, where we honour the gifts of the Spirit. Otherwise, it's like trying to build blind. But God doesn't want us to build blind. He wants us to build with faith, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And the Bible concludes with a prophetic word to the church, um, in the churches, seven churches, that uh, the Apostle John wrote the book of Revelation in 1.3. It says, blessed is the one who reads the word of this prophecy. The book of Revelation is a prophecy. It wasn't just all about the end times. It was for them what they were facing there and then to help them through tough times. You see, we have a God who speaks from beginning to the end. And when people become real Christians, one of the keys is, I felt God speak to me, either through the Bible or a testimony or an incident or something happened in church. God speaks. The prophet... Now, let me just backtrack a moment. God took issue with his ancient people as they settled in the promised land of Canaan. Their affections were drawn away from him and they followed, after imitations of God, Baal worship. And one of the many issues that God had with them worshipping this false god was this. It was articulated by the prophet Habakkuk. He said this, What good is an idol carved by man or or a cast image that deceives you? How foolish you are to trust in your own creation, a God that can't even talk. And that's the problem with our society. We're worshipping gods that can't talk and have a relationship with us. The one true God, the one true God, The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one true God, is a God who speaks, not just then, but now and will do, till the end of time. Because he's a relational God. Precious. So we should have an expectation, as believers, and as particularly as a church, that God will be a God who continues to speak to us. And Fran, your song today was beautiful, how God spoke through you. Thank you, we appreciate your gift. The Apostle Peter stood up and testified um, to the freshly poured out Holy Spirit to those first disciples at Pentecost. Um, about the, um, and he said this, he quoted the Old Testament prophet Joel, Your sons 
He said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And I've dreamt that Leicester City will be top of the premiership. (laughs) And it's true. I'm just thrilled to see our children's ministry team, led by Becca, Cole and the team, they're doing a great job, focusing at this point in time on growing in the prophetic and hearing God. It's crazy for a church not to teach their children how to hear God and to move into the prophetic gifts when God has declared that's what he wants to do. True or false? This is not touchy-feely. This is the sovereign God at work in our church, when he prophesied long ago through the prophet Joel, and Peter stood up and said, hey, in these last days, and the last days when Jesus came, they're the last days, and we're still in the last days. It's not a touchy-feely game we're playing with our children. It's positioning them to move in power and leading of the Holy Spirit. And last Sunday, when young Anna Fitch came and, 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 and gave a prophetic word at the mic, Who wasn't blessed? Stick your hand up if you wasn't blessed. I can't see a hand. Because there was something very profound happening there. And not only that, it was a good word as well. And somebody said, that was for me and their life was changed because of it. That's what the prophetic does. This is how church should be. I've got... I've read Hebrews loads of times. I'm reading it again at the minute. I've gone from Job to Hebrews. It's a bit of a difference, but both are blessed. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. This jumped out at me. Never seen it before. I've read it loads of times. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received just, just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. Now this is it. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Wow. Wow. The gifts of the Holy Spirit poured out in the church is a sign by, given by God to this great salvation that we have. True or false? You see that? It's true, isn't it? This is one of the attestations that God gives to the validity of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ that God pours gifts out onto the church of his spirit. Not only as signs and wonders, but all the gifts of spirit. So when Anna came to the microphone last Sunday under the empowering of the spirit, that was a testifying to the validity of the gospel in one way. Because that's what God says and that's what his word says. And we can't afford to fruit salad the Bible. You know what I mean by that? Or chocolate box the Bible. I can't stand strawberry creams, can you? So leave them. Who likes strawberry creams? Put your hand up. Man alive, we need help in this church. Okay, um, stick them up again so I can remember. Stuart, great, my neighbour likes them. That's, well, you, you can have them. But that's what people do with the Bible. Well, I don't like that bit. I'll just throw that bit out. I don't like the gifts of the Spirit. It's not, throw that out. You can't do that. It's the full counsel of God we're talking about. 
That's why we want to preach to you the full counsel of God. Well, gateways going squiffy. No, it's not. We preach in Romans, Revelation. What else have we preached, Richard? I mean, we've, we've done some tough books because we believe in the full counsel of God. But now we're talking about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit because this is about the full counsel of God. So please, understand the breadth of it, of this salvation. But the gifts of the Spirit are given by God as a testimony to the salvation that's in Jesus Christ. Supernatural. End of story. 1 Thessalonians 5.20-22 to says Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all and hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Now, you can't reject evil. You can be very cynical about prophecy, but you can be living and doing evil. No, don't do that. <laughs> Live a pure life and don't despise prophecy. Jesus, in John chapter, recorded his words, in John recorded his words in John 10, verse 27. He said, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. There's two things we need to do. When you boil it all down, friends, when you go through tough times, and you will, you will I prophesy you will go through tough times in your life. Yes. It's called life. But you go through them. I love it in the Bible where it says it came to pass. In other words, it came and it passed. <laughs> but there's two things. When you boil it right down, is this. You hear Jesus' voice and you follow him. You obey. Trust and obey. We've, whatever situation you're in, you want to ask him, what is Jesus saying to me in this situation and am I following it? Because if you're a sheep, you'll do that. And that's how we have moved this last year. And it's how we've moved for the last 14 years in seeing this church, along with my dear friend Richard, my fellow elder. We listen to what Jesus is saying and we will do it. Are we perfect? No, but we can be authentic. To hear his voice. Hearing God speak, he speaks through the Bible. Hallelujah. That's the primary way. All scripture is inspired by God and, and suitable for teaching, re- reproof, training in righteousness, and a few other things as well. The Holy Spirit speaks through peace. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. The Holy Spirit speaks to, to us in dreams by night and visions by day. The Holy Spirit speaks through our conscience. The Holy Spirit speaks through a sudden flash of inspiration. The Holy Spirit speaks through impressions. The Holy Spirit sometimes speaks in an audible voice. I've heard the audible voice of God once to me. It was cycling through Holland. I've never heard his voice since. I knew it was just, it was just like, do you know what he said? you want to know what he said to me, don't you? He said, Graham. I felt shortchanged. <laughs> but I, it was the audible voice of God. But you know, that's all I needed to hear. Because he knew my name. And you don't need to hear the voice of God audibly to know that you are loved because your name's inscribed on the palm of his hands. But you are known by God if you are his. And it was the start of the tough time I was entering into. And that was an encouragement to me because God sometimes prepares you before you go through a tough time. He warns you prophetically. 
and he speaks through prophecy. We should never despise it or take it for granted. The Greek word for despise, it can mean brought to naught, bringing something to naught, reduced to nothing, to cast out as nothing, to count as nothing, to treat with utter contempt. 1 Corinthians 14, this is where we're going now. In verse 1, pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. Wow, utters mysteries in the spirit. That should get your attention. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for building and encouragement and consolation. Consolation. Three things, upbuilding, encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. That's why the gift, this is me now saying this, this is not what Paul said, but that's why it's good to pursue the gift of tongues. It can build you up on your inner man. I used to have a, do you anybody remember the bulwarker? Yeah, I used to have a bulwark. It, it, when I started growing chest hairs, it just it defoliated me, you know. <laughs> but that used to used to get the bulwark from out under the bed, and that would build me up. Charles, I remember Charles Atlas, you know, <laughs> Mister Puniverse, and Charles. But that uh, speaking in tongues for me when I was a young person, I realised it was like my bulwark. It would build me up, put spiritual muscle on me. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Wow, that's one of the reasons, you know, that's one of the reasons I love prophecy, because it builds up the church. I just love the church, I just love this church. Because Jesus gave himself for it, so it must be pretty valuable. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, makes sense. But even more to prophesy. So if the Apostle Paul was here with his hooked nose and whatever, how people described him, it's saying Greek, I want you to prophesy. <laughs> I want you all to prophesy. Even more than speaking in tongues, I want you to prophesy. That's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Now, he's not talking about more important. That's not what he's saying unless someone interprets so the church may be built up. So we all can use the bulwarker. Now, there's five key things we can learn about the gift of prophecy from Paul's letter. Number one, hunger. Richard was so good. I talked about having a desire for the things of God. Hunger. It's the number one thing. Blessed is he who hungers and thirsts after righteousness. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. You've got to have hunger. You really have. This is not for, well, take it or leave it generation. These are, this is for those who really want to seek after God with all their heart. As a deer pants for the stream, so my heart longs for you. And sometimes God allows circumstances into your life where he gets your attention. That you'll say, God, nothing else will do. Nothing else will do. Don't leave it till you're 70 before you realise that nothing else will do. Have a head start now. If I could live my life all over again, some of you know what I'm going to say, I would do two things more. I would pray more and buy more power tools. I would. Every man in the house said, you see, and a few women as well. The gifts of the Spirit are power tools that God has given us. 
aren't they? Rather than trying to do it in your own strength with a hammer and chisel that's blunt, the gifts of the Spirit are power tools from God to get the job done, the church built and the kingdom come. I can never go back to a church lifestyle that doesn't have the power tools because it's a part of the validating the gospel by God the Father to the church. Why would I want to do that? I saw this week on the TV uh, all those desperate refugees walking through the, the icy fields, desperate for more, hungry for more, just for life. I thought it would stop during the winter, I must admit. It's unabated. I'm so glad, Steve, what you're doing, you know, facilitating it with the Syrian refugees that we can provide a context because God puts the lonely in family. So thank you. Get behind, Steve, in that initiative. But I, I just thought, wow, what an amazing picture of determination to press on through. Little kids as well, carrying the children through. I just want to challenge you. How hungry are you? How hungry are you for more of him? You were born for this. It's like having a Rolls Royce car and not putting petrol in it and sitting there. Well, this is nice. It's meant to go somewhere. You're meant to go somewhere in God. I hungered and thirsted for the Holy Spirit's gifts to come into my life. I, I was just desperate to speak in tongues. For a whole year, I was just crazy. I just want more God. Every week I'd cycle down to this guy's house who led me to the Lord. I'd ask him to pray for me. I'd go back home at night, lie in bed with my mouth open, like a nutcase, expecting worse to come out. Nothing did. And then the end I went down and, and uh, again, for the umpteenth time, and this man prophesied to me and he said, uh, stop asking and start receiving. So I did. Power of God came, went, walked back home, up to my house, stopped at a local fair that was in town. By the dodgums, I started talking. Oh, I had a stutter. I had a terrible stutter as a kid. And as a 17-year-old dad, I started to share my face with the skinhead. You know, Ben Sherman's. I was in that age, Ben Sherman's, Mungo Jerry and all that. I, I, I love that stuff. And this guy, skinhead got his razor out. Naturally, he gave his life to the Lord by the dodgums. The conviction of God came upon him. Started crying, so I want to give my life to Jesus. As I witnessed to him. And the next day he came, he said, um, No, sorry, it was the same day, same afterwards. He, he, picked, he picked a razor blade out, a razor, one of those flick out razors. He says, I'd heard about you, I was, I, was gonna, I was gonna razor you. I said, Thank you, Jesus, you've saved him. <laughs> he went on to be a doctor. The power of God. Because you'll be my witnesses when the Spirit of God comes upon you. I was, des- I, was, I was desperate, absolutely desperate. I don't see that desperation in, in this generation. I don't see it. But I tell you what, it's going to need a generation who are desperate for God to make an impact on this generation. Yeah. So what's the gift of prophecy for? Paul says, in, uh, he says this, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speak to people for their upbuilding, encouragement and consolation. If prophecy does not have those ingredients of upbuilding, strengthening and encouragement, be very suspicious. Be very suspicious. 
The distinction is important when we come to weighing prophecy. It should never leave you feeling worse. Maybe convicted, but never feeling beaten up. Can I say from the outset, we want this to be a safe place to develop the gifting of prophecy. Obviously, if you're still learning to prophesy, community groups are a great place to learn to prophesy. It's wonderful. An excellent environment to take your first prophetic steps. But it doesn't mean you can't come and try out at the front. That's fine. This is a safe place. Absolutely safe place. I always love it when somebody comes up to the mic for the first time rather than the usual suspects. (laughs) Yeah? And when um, Anna came up, I thought, wow, there's something's happening. This is good. I like it. I like it a lot. And elders and those tasked for hosting anchor the Sunday meetings are there to help and guide and facilitate where best it would fit. The elders would only ever have to bring a correction if there was a blatant, unbiblical and divisive prophecy coming. And that's happened once in 14 years. So I think you're pretty safe. I think you're pretty safe. And you're all thinking about, which one was it? (laughs) Sorry, you weren't here. (laughs) So people should not worry about messing up. We have asked Pete Pemberthy to develop a prophetic team where people developing in the prophetic can learn more and sharpen their gifting with one other. Thank you, Pete. Danny Moore, very, very prophetic. Fran, I've already mentioned. Sue, Marilyn Whittington, Mel Finley, Tanya Jankowski. To name but a few are emerging in the prophetic and others coming through. With regards to weighing prophetic gifts, Paul says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. In other words, the one bringing the prophetic word is not the one to validate it, but others should do that. In reality, the church weighs most non-prophetic, non-directional prophetic contributions, not in a judgmental way, but from a perspective of saying, hey, that was really helpful to me. And yes, that part resonated with me. You may be saying, well, that didn't resonate with me, but it doesn't mean it doesn't resonate with somebody else. We're, we're all together in this, and we're cheering one another on to learn. It will kill it when we get the prophetic, the, the prophetic police standing and waiting to weigh it, put their policeman's hat on. That's not healthy. That's despising it. Right? We're a family, yeah? We're a family. We often refer to historic prophetic words that have shaped the life of this ministry. Those words have been often spoke through recognised prophets, Keith Hazel, Ben Goodman, Julian Adams, whether a forth telling about a warehouse for our furniture project or the hub ministries, or God giving us title deeds to land. And the latest is, yes, something's beginning to happen in that department. We are... As soon as we know more, we'll tell you. But we prayed for two years, church, asking God, God, will you fulfill this word about giving us our own land, our own title deeds? Two years, 24 hours of prayer. You signed up to it over two years. We're now changing it because we feel something's happening. You believe in the prophetic. Keith Hazel, when we first came, he said, this will be a prophetic church. 
Don't be ashamed of that. In Daniel 9, chapter 1 to 3, Daniel says it's, um, it's recorded in, in, in this book. In the first year of Darius, the son of... Ah- oh, I can't pronounce that one. I missed that one. Arsurius, by descent of Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord, uh, to, spoken to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So they got taken into exile, remember Boney M, by the rivers of Babylon, yeah? That's what he was talking about. Okay, 70 years. Now, so Daniel had been studying the book and he saw the prophetic promises. 70 years and, and God will send his people back to rebuild the temple. So he could have said, whoopee, job done. What does Daniel do? He doesn't pack his suitcase. He gets before God in prayer and intercedes that God, that word will now be fulfilled. So it's just not enough to have a prophetic word. You need to pray through the prophetic word. And I speak to all of you who are prophesying. It may be that God is giving it to you. I know Barbara said sometimes, why me, Lord? <laughs> because it, it may be as well he's giving you words for you to pray as well the fulfilment of that prophetic word. He'll speak to the ones and the twos that you get behind it as well as give it. Yeah? God, I, I thank you for choosing me to share this word. I pray now the church would own this. The, the, the giving prophecy is not, never meant to make the giver look good. That's a trap we all fought into. Sorry, the, the, the trap the church were falling into at Corinth. That's the context. They're outdoing one another with bigger and better prophetic words. It's got nothing to do with recognition, but everything to do with loving the church. That's why Paul sticks a chapter on love, which people use for their wedding, <laughs> in the middle of two, two prophetic teachings on the gifts of the Spirit. It's got to be done through love. And actually, just as an insider information, if you want to move in the gifts of the Spirit, every gift of the Spirit operates by faith. Whether it's speaking in tongues, prophecy. When I give a prophecy, I just have... I'm as nervous as anybody else, but I'm checking. Oh, God, I've got to mix faith with it. I've got to mix faith. I often get the first line to say. We need to be reminded that people who prophesy are in control of their own spirit. When I was first prophesying, I could feel my heart go, and sort of, it right, you know, I get so tense. I thought, I've got to give it, I've got to give it, I've got to, I've got to give it. Oh, that's good, wasn't it? I've got to give it. And I, I, I'd go to the front, and some of the sometimes people say, well, "Thank you," um, but it doesn't. It's not for now. We've run out of time. And I'd say to myself, walking back, "You've missed it. You've missed it. You've quenched the spirit because I had a word from God, and you didn't let me give it." That's not. That was me misunderstanding that the the, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So, and sometimes that's a mystery to me that God would give me prophetic word and it doesn't fit in the end but that's just the nature it's beautiful really because everybody gets to play so when i'm stirred to bring a prophetic word i go through these questions is it compatible with god's character is it compatible with god's ways and god's heart i want to touch god's heart what 
What is God saying? We're catching the heart of God. That's the love of God. Has it been given to me for me? (laughs) Or for the church? Is the timing right? Do I need to wait on God more? Am I maybe something building? Am I wanting to draw attention to myself or Jesus? So practicalities on giving a word to the church. How do you handle a prophetic cue at the front? You know, sometimes a group come up, well, um, you're thinking, well, actually, you guys at the front, the, that last person who came up to the front, you've given them first dibs at the microphone. In the kingdom of God, the last will be first and the first will be last. And Paul is saying, well, the one with the fresh revelation goes first. Not that the other one's gone stale, but that's the way it works in the spirit. So in the spirit, you're allowed to cue jump. <laughs> But that's something we try and operate. So just be aware of that dynamic. Don't get insecure. So practical tips. Avoid the phrase, thus says the Lord. <laughs> just don't do it. I advise you, just don't do it. Or the Lord says, I've been guilty of it. Um, smack my hand. Because this gives an impression of unquestionability. Well, if God said it, it must be true. Well, no. We prophesy through a glass dimly. We don't see the whole picture. So, respect. The Bible says the Lord saith, not you. <laughs> okay? And it's better to say, I think God may be saying, be wise and put a caveat around it. Don't paint yourself into a corner. <laughs> I sense that the Lord may be speaking. Yeah, that's right. He may be, he may not be. We'll, we'll weigh that. <laughs> it, it, otherwise, there's no wiggle room. Learn to stop. This is, this is my big failing. Learn to stop when the Lord stops. <laughs> I, I just carry on. And the older you get in the Lord, the more easy it is to carry on because you know, you know, you know how to sound spiritual. But you've got to... He told me once, he showed me, a, a, he taught me a lesson. I was given a prophecy and all of a sudden it just dried up in the middle, mid-sentence. I thought, I'm going to obey. I'm going to stop. And somebody else carried on with the second part of the sentence. It's fun at church, isn't it? Not him, prayer sandwich. Hallelujah. God deliver me from that. (laughs) You see, 1 Corinthians 13, 9 says, Our knowledge is partial and incomplete. Even the gift of prophecy reveals reveals only part of the whole picture. So let's treat it, let's don't make ourselves too serious when we're giving prophetic words, but see the value of it. It gets unhealthy when you're giving private prophetic words to an individual. And Sue's eldest sister was at London Bible College, LBC. They called it London Bridal College. And somebody goes to her and she's, he says, I think God's telling me to marry you. <laughs> Thinking on her feet, she says, that's great. When God tells me, we will get married. <laughs> so just because somebody gives you a prophetic word doesn't mean you've got to accept it. You've got to weigh it. Okay? But it's best to... Pro- we like, there's a good culture here. We like um, people to prophesy and um, have a witness there. Not as a standing in judgment over it, but just say um, to helpful reminder is one thing, but also just to develop um, a healthy way of giving the prophetic. Could you come and share that? So, on the because otherwise it won't be on the tape. Don't get too close to me. I'm trying to lean into this microphone because you'll get the bug. <laughs> No, um, what we're teaching the children when they're talking and hearing from God is always, um, the A, B, C, D rule, which is always build up, cheer up, and draw near. 
Great. Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you. Good stuff. Very biblical. Okay, still here. Could I just say as well, prophetic people have a, a high degree of sensitivity to God. You'll find that's a wonderful gift. But also, they're highly sensitive. So you treat prophetic people as... Um, how can I say this? Um, very, very... I love this guy. Yeah. But he'll be different to somebody who's, um, who's just a, a Bible teacher. Because you're sensitive. So you have to be careful how you say things to prophetic people, not to, bu- to build them up, not to knock them down. Okay? That goes with the territory. And that's a good thing. Because I want sensitive people in this church who are sensitive to God, don't you? Yeah. Hallelujah. So, nearly finished. So, uh, if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, Will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in, lovely, an inquirer comes in and while everyone is prophesied, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all. Does anybody know Mark? Stick your hands with if, if Mark was not in the house, is he? Is away, is he? Is he gone with the youth? To, okay, we sent a, some youth leaders up to um, uh, New Frontiers Youth Training at Centre Parks going down the slides and learning a lot about the Lord and uh, playing squash and football and swimming. Um, Mark came to the Lord when he went to a a church meeting at Ashford Ashford Community Church and the prophet was there and the prophet gave a word and read read Mark's mail. I mean, I'm only looking, I'm looking at Barbara because you, were you there? And he gives his, Eddie, he gives his life to the Lord and now Mark's, you know, major, major um, leader in the church. That's exciting, isn't it? And so I'd encourage you, those who want to develop in the prophetic, be thinking of, is God saying anything to an inquirer today? That they will say, God is with you. My heart's been undone. That's beautiful. My heart's been undone. And God's a tender-hearted God who calls us because we have a God who speaks.